0: The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend, Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 10. Shadows Hold Their Breath February, 2002 Lana carried her giant glass dish full of pancakes to the table. My mom had a dish like that. She used to cook lasagna in it and bring it to company potlucks. It was a crowd favorite, and even so, she usually came back with leftovers. All that to say... Lana's dish was a very big dish of pancakes. I sat down next to Lana, and Crown sat down next to me. He took off his glasses, rubbed his eyes, and then put his glasses back on. You okay? I asked, feeling like I was supposed to say that. I was just up late working on a paper, he said. It goes to print at four in the morning, so I always feel obligated to stay up tweaking it until then. Unless we have a really great organized week. Which has never happened once. Yeah, I gotta do that every night, I teased. Sure, but you've gone full nocturnal since you got here. It's different. I stabbed a couple of pancakes and dropped them on my plate. I'm not really a fan of maple syrup, It's kind of sickly sweet and messy and doesn't have enough salt to make it interesting. Most things in life need more salt. I opted for a generous slab of warm butter and some marionberry syrup instead. The Pacific Northwest is kind of known for these little blackberry offshoots, and I, for one, have always been a fan. Speaking of nocturnal, I said... I want to hear more about this haunted house picnic project you guys did last summer. It actually made me feel unreasonably nervous to even bring up the subject of ghosts, but I was curious. Crown grinned. It was pretty great. We started at one end of the coast and worked our way down. Did you see anything creepy? I asked. Oh, plenty, Lana said. We weren't allowed to go into most of the buildings, but we had lunch next to a cemetery where the gravestones just kind of started dripping for no reason, and there was that one place where we did go inside. She looked up at Crown. I couldn't help but think that there were all kinds of reasons that a gravestone might appear to start dripping, especially because it was so cold and humid around here all the time. I didn't say anything, though. I kept listening. Crown quickly jumped in to finish Lana's thought. It's called Sand Dollar House, which, I know, doesn't sound very scary. It's owned by a woman named Mindy Claire, who happens to own a pie cafe just up the hill. Really a great combo. Pie and ghosts. We didn't even need to bring lunch that day. Sam leaned forward, suddenly seeming to want to be part of the conversation. They say that it's haunted by the dead or undead spirit of Barnicus Marnicus the Marine Man. Sam said. He took a large bite of pancake, probably so he could hide his own smirk. Crown shook his head. Barnicus, Barnicus, really? Anyway. It's haunted by residual energy. He said as if this was an objective fact, and I admired his ability to just say it without the fear of repercussions. No one here seemed to be scribbling notes about his mental health. This seemed to be a normal part of day-to-day conversation. Oh, Crown added, and we also saw the occasional shadow figure. I have to admit, that brought me up short. Shadow figures? Like the thing I saw in the studio? Like the thing my sister saw when I was a kid? What's a shadow figure? I asked, already dreading the answer. Crown waved his hand as he chewed. Just a humanoid shape. It's dark or maybe sometimes staticky or sometimes just a shadow out of the corner of your eye. Just another type of haunting, he said. He made it all sound so boring. Not like the kind of thing that could ruin your childhood or anything like that. That sounds pretty cool, I said, even though my insides were screaming that this was relevant. That I knew about these things too and now I had encountered someone else who knew about them. Maybe June really wasn't crazy. I wasn't either. Not unless we all were. Sam's face brightened immediately. We should go back, he said. Last time we had to leave early because Lana got scared. Lana narrowed her eyes. That is not even a little bit true. I'm up for it, Crown said. I wanted to get a better look at some of those carvings in the trees. What do you think, Ivy? You interested in a little ghost hunting? I swallowed hard. Maybe this was fun for them, but not for me. I decided to go along anyway. If they had encountered these shadow figures, then maybe I could finally get some answers too. Yeah, I said. Let's, uh, let's do it instead of movie night this week. Movie night sounds stupid anyway. Oh no. We're still a-doin' movie night, Lana said. And just like that, ten minutes later, we were packing up the car. I threw my wallet and a blanket into my shoulder bag and grabbed a plate of leftover bacon off the counter. I was about to grab my coffee tumbler, but Sam grabbed it before I could. I'll carry that out, he said. That way I can pick your brain some more about those ice cream flavors, I gave him a look, trying to gauge what in the world he was talking about. I was pretty sure we had never talked about ice cream flavors. That was something I would probably remember, too. I hate it when people try to get me to invent stuff. If I had any ideas worth noting, I'd already be a millionaire. Man, you guys already had the ice cream talk? Lana asked. Apparently, this was a common occurrence with everyone Sam met. What was your flavor? She said. Uh, I was drawing a blank. I couldn't even think of normal ice cream flavors. For some reason, the only thing that came to mind was egg. And I couldn't say egg. She, uh, she came up with movie theater madness. Sam spit out and then looked at me wide-eyed like he couldn't believe what he had just said. I really couldn't believe it either. That sounded like a terrible flavor. Yeah... I shot him a look but decided to run with it. You know, you just take the butter ice cream base from butter pecan and then you add caramel corn and M&M's and Mike and Ike's. That did not sound great. I wished Sam would have just been normal and stopped pretending we had a conversation about ice cream flavors. Movie night and movie ice cream, Crown said. You really got a one-track mind, kid. Yeah, apparently, I replied. The second Sam and I shut the door behind us, I stopped and turned around to face him. What in the world are you doing? We never talked about ice cream flavors. He had the nerve to look taken aback, like I was the one acting crazy. I know, he said. I just assumed you would want to talk about the poetry book you left in my room. Okay, to be fair to Sam, that wasn't what I was expecting him to say. I tried to process what he was telling me. I didn't leave anything in your room, I said. I've never been in your room. I've never even been in your apartment. I mean, does your apartment even exist? I can't be sure on account of how definitely I have not been in your apartment. He looked at me like he wanted to believe me, but then he reached into his pocket and produced my little green notebook. The missing one. The thought occurred to me that this might be some kind of elaborate prank. Maybe Lana had taken my journal and put it in Sam's room? That didn't make any sense. Not only was there no motive, but there was no opportunity either. My room had been locked all night. I hadn't even left to use the bathroom. Look, I said, that is mine, but I didn't leave it in your room. Do you sleepwalk? He asked. No. Do do you leave your apartment door unlocked at night? No. We stared at each other for a moment, and then he said, But it is yours. I flipped open the front cover and found my own handwriting staring garishly back at me. The worst part of this was not that my journal had somehow appeared in Sam's room. The worst part is that he might have read something in here. I snapped it shut in an attempt to snap out the thought. Yeah, it's definitely my book, I replied. He nodded. Okay. So then how did it get in there? I said. You're seriously asking me? I was trying to figure out how to convince him that I really hadn't been in his apartment when Crown and Lana appeared, each with some sort of satchel. We looked like we were all going on some sort of haunted research trip. Shirley Jackson wrote a fantastic book about this sort of thing called The Haunting of Hill House. Who knows? Maybe I'll write my own book about our experience one day. Reluctantly, I put the conversation aside and followed the others down to the street. This was super weird, and I was going to have to get to the bottom of it. I didn't want to talk about it in front of the others, though. I wasn't sure what they would do or say, and I wasn't eager to find out. I climbed in the back of Lana's car and was relieved when Crown climbed in the other side. I really didn't want to ride the whole trip with Sam casting sideways glances in my direction. The joke was on me, though, because I caught him looking at me in the rearview mirror before we had even left the lot. This was going to be real weird. For some reason, I expected the drive to take us closer to the city. Instead, it strung us out into the middle of nowhere, through some logging land, and back onto the coast. We mostly listened to music on the drive, and I found myself getting more and more irritated with the confined space. The car was small, and Sam had his seat too far back. I would have kicked him if it weren't for the awkward conversation at the apartment. I caught Sam looking at me in the rearview mirror again, and though he smiled a little, it still seemed off. By the time we arrived in the next town over, Crown was waist-deep in conspiracy theories about the nature of outer space, I hadn't expected him to be the type who cared about space travel, but apparently he was a huge fan of people like Nikola Tesla and the guys who walked on the moon. The sun makes noises, Crown was saying. It's up there just screaming away, boiling, shooting out these big whooshes of fire, but according to NASA, things are changing. According to NASA, things are changing, Lana said in something like an announcer voice. Crown ignored her, which was probably best. The scientists at NASA say that the sun is starting to take on, get this, musical qualities, he said. Sam adjusted the mirror, but this time he looked at Crown. Come again? Lana slapped her brother's hand away and adjusted the mirror back to where it belonged. Look it up, Crown said. There's a musical structure to the sound that's coming out of the sun right now. It sounded outlandish, but so far Crown hadn't been the prankster type. At least not as far as I knew. Well, Lana said, let's aim to solve one secret of the universe at a time, shall we guys? She slowed the car as the road spilled us gently onto a patch of seagrass overlooking the rich gray seashore. First up, haunted mansion. There weren't a lot of buildings out here. There was a long and low gray shake building, some houses closer to the shore, and a little way up the hill, there was a building painted bright orange with some vibrant rainbow-colored windsocks streaming from the porch. A sign hanging above the door read, Mindy's Pies. Okay, but is the whole store pies? I asked. Not only is the whole store pies, but none of them are normal, Lana said. All very weird. We have to go there first, Crown said. He hung his camera around his neck and started up the hill with no further explanation. I glanced at Lana. Yeah, we we have to talk to Mindy before we're allowed to go into the house, Lana said. Last time, Crown brought her a whole basket of choice cheeses and spreads, and that barely even did the trick. Hmm, what kind of cheese? I asked smiling at the thought of Crown carrying a dairy basket up the hill like Little Red Riding Hood. So much Brie, Lana said. That woman loves Brie. I glanced back at Sam, who in turn was looking over his shoulder at the ocean. I was still trying to figure out what had happened with my book. I didn't really believe that anyone had stolen it and put it in his apartment, not even as a joke. My new friends were fun-loving, but not weird. Well, okay, they were also weird, but there hadn't been an opportunity for them to take my book. We reached the pie shop at the top of the hill, and Crown opened the screen door before looking back at us. Order a pie, he said. Everybody order a pie, or she might not let us go down to the house. He clearly wasn't joking. The interior of the shop was much more hip, Than I had expected. The ceilings were low and there were red twinkle lights all around the ceiling. The ceiling itself was composed of exposed beams and I could smell coffee on the air. We stepped up to the case and I got my first look at the pies themselves. They truly were fantastic. I don't say that with even a hint of sarcasm. Truly amazing. There were salmon pies shaped like little goldfish There were strawberry pies shaped like strawberries and tinted with pink egg wash. The pork pies actually looked like pigs, and the mushroom pies like toadstools. My favorite was a chocolate pie wrapped in what looked like an actual candy wrapper. There was a bell sitting on the counter and no staff in sight. Sam gave the bell several taps and leaned over the counter. Mindy! He called in a tone that I was sure was intentionally irritating. Lana smacked him on the shoulder again. A middle-aged woman appeared a moment later, already glaring. Calm down, Sam, it's pie, she said. She pulled out a baggy plastic glove, reached into the case, and pointed to a small open-faced pie with some sort of pink, whipped filling. You know it, Sam said, and accepted the pie as Mindy passed it over the counter. He paid for it, and I stepped up next, ready to pay my tribute in hopes that the Lady of the Water might grant us passage to the creepy cabin. This was all deeply strange, but it felt strange in all the right ways for a preamble to a ghost hunt. I chose a mushroom pie and agreed that it would be better warm. Mindy got everyone else's food, and then went back to heat up mine. Once she was gone, Crown pulled out a book. He opened it up and folded the book back on itself, which, as a book lover, made me cringe. What's that book? I asked. It's about haunted houses here in the Pacific Northwest, Lana replied. We got it last year. The way that she said we made me wonder if there was some kind of communal coin jar somewhere back at the apartment. This house is said to be one of the most haunted places in Washington State. Crown said. Sam frowned. How did they judge that? He ate a spoonful of his pie. Is there, like, a chart where they fill in gold stars if you're, like, super good at being a ghost, or if you fill up a certain number of buckets with the blood that drips from the ceiling or something? Crown ignored him, which seemed fair. What kind of pie are you eating? I leaned over to Sam, trying to get a better view of it. There were green and red things dotting the fluff. I wanted to try to reestablish somewhat of a normal rhythm to our friendship after this morning's awkward interaction. This is a candy cane pie, he said, and it is one of the true British-Italian nutcracker sweet Christmas classics. You can't just string together words and expect us not to call you on it, Lana said. Yet you've literally never called me on it, he replied. Did just now, you dumbbell. I turned from the group to look out the window. From up here in the little orange house, I could see the ocean, the fence lining the neighborhood, and Sand Dollar House, standing alone. It was a bad name for the place. It made it sound cute. It made it sound like something in a kid's book. This place was not cute. It was stalwart, maybe. Strong and crowd up against the gray sky. I had felt a sense of pervading cold for the last several hours. Ever since waking up in the apartment this morning, I had been fighting the weather, adding layers, doing my best to keep the cold from creeping down the back of my neck. Here in the pie shop, it somehow felt even more pronounced. When I looked back at the group, Sam was watching me. He looked away immediately and... It bothered me that I cared what he thought. I know that it's a weakness to care what other people think, and I also know that I can't seem to help it. It's been a distinct part of me since I was a child. It isn't always there. It only shows up sometimes, and only with the people whose opinions actually matter to me. I've spent a long time trying to make it so that opinions don't matter, but every now and then one sneaks through. It looked like Sam was going to be one of those people. Mindy came to the window and handed me my pie, crispy and shiny with butter and dripping mushroom juice out of the corner. I thanked her and expected her to return back to the other side of the counter. Instead, she pulled back the curtain and looked down at the house. In that brief moment, I caught sight of someone through one of the windows. I couldn't see a face. It was more like the shape of someone moving. It almost looked familiar. Mindy, for her part, gave no indication that she saw anything at all. Someone's already there, I said, trying to swallow the lump growing in my throat. Hmm. Someone's always there, Mindy replied. Did you come to have a look for yourself? I wasn't sure if it was a good idea for me to answer. If Mindy was really as tough as Crown implied, then maybe I should let him do the talking? But Crown was all the way on the other side of the room, breaking the fins off of a fish pie. I've never seen Sand Dollar House before, I said. I would love to have a look around. I'm not sure if suck-up was exactly the vibe I was going for, but I went with it anyway. I'll make you a deal, Mindy said. If you can get your guy over there to advertise my pie shop in the newspaper, I'll hand the key over right now. I considered this. I wasn't sure what Crown would say. I wasn't sure if he would be irritated that I was making this deal myself. And I also didn't know how serious the whole arrangement was. Was Mindy actually going to make me return the favor later? I'll make you a better deal. I said after thinking about it for a moment. Let us take a look around the house, and I'll interview you on my radio show. You have a radio show? She asked. It's a late night radio show, but if you're willing to stay up, I can make you the feature. Kids around the college love late night snacking. You are open late, right? This last question was kind of a bluff. I actually assumed she was only open till 4 or 5, but... I kind of wanted to put her on the defensive. Seven, she said, and her face betrayed a hint of uncertainty. Perfect, I said. Want to do Wednesday? She nodded. She reached into her pocket and pulled out a single key on a spiral wristband. She almost looked like she didn't realize she was giving it to me. Thanks, she said. She started to walk back to the counter and then turned. Say, what kind of pie do you think college kids want? Something strange, I replied and went to show off my key to the rest of the group. It was kind of nice to have something to bargain with. Something nice that other people actually wanted. It was a weird feeling. I walked up to our table and dropped the key. Sam looked up and immediately laughed. Then he turned to Crown. "'Well, she went up to you, buddy,' he said, slapping Crown on the shoulder. Crown raised an eyebrow. "'Yeah, I thought we were going to have to buy another round of pies for sure,' he said. "'I'm not even sure we had to buy the first round of pies, guys,' Lana said, poking at her own pie with a spoon. She made a face and dropped the spoon on the plate. "'I hate pumpkin.' "'Why'd you buy pumpkin?' I asked. "'Eh.' Because I hate it less than cranberry brown butter pecan, she replied. Sam jumped out of his chair. Let's go check out those books. What books? I asked. Lana rolled her eyes. There's a study full of books. The house is haunted and Sam's in it for the reading material, she said, standing up for a chair and groaning like a middle-aged person. Sam folded his arms. "Yeah, of course I'm more interested in the books. I mean, the ghosts are dead. They died, most of them in gruesome ways. So how smart can they be, right? Can I really learn anything from the idiots that evolution took out early? No. I'm going for the books." "Well, that seemed like an unusually unsympathetic way of looking at things." We shouted our thank yous to Mindy and started back down the path to Sand Dollar House. As we drew closer and the shadows began to settle over my vision, I found myself wondering about the person I had seen inside. Maybe Mindy was playing us. Maybe she was just a really good marketer who wanted to drum up fear around her supposedly haunted lodge. But maybe she was being honest. Maybe there really was someone down there. Maybe something had taken root in the old house, and maybe we actually were about to walk into something that was going to stick with us forever. I looked up at the sky and found that it was just a pale, sick, opal-colored mass of clouds. It made everything feel cold, even colder than the winter nights around here. It was like the sun was crying up there, lost on its way across the sky. Crown's comment about the sun making sounds was freaking me out. We reached the house and stepped up onto the front porch. I was surprised to find that it was pretty well kept and not all that scary. For example, Reed's porch had been far more unsettling than this one. Everything here was made of rich, stained wood and the color remained vibrant. The front door led us immediately into the kitchen. Everything in here was oversized. The double-door refrigerator, the double sinks, and the giant cooktop built right into the kitchen island. There were two, possibly three ovens, and a near-industrial-sized dishwasher. I had expected everything to be old and cobwebbed, but the kitchen was actually beautiful and bright and modern. We split up like the Scooby-Doo gang, with Crown taking Lana and Sam and I falling behind in some sort of shaggy and scooby-inspired duo. I'm not sure which was which, but I do know he was wearing a bright green shirt. The house was freezing. I couldn't quite see my breath, but I thought it was close. Sam and I left the kitchen and crossed into a small sitting area. A little pot-bellied stove sat just inside the library, and I found myself wishing I could light it and sit by it while everyone else looked around. I followed Sam into the next room. Or at least I thought I did. By the time I crossed the threshold, I was surprised to find that Sam wasn't there. I stood in the doorway and looked around. To my left, there was a small, skinny sort of library, with bookshelves lining both walls and a slim window at the far end. Ahead of me, I could see real doors and some sort of great hall. A cast-iron chandelier hung from the ceiling and looked like it was supposed to hold candles. The big, tall, white, drippy kind. I shivered. To the right, there was another entryway, and beyond that, a single doorway. Sam was nowhere in sight. I turned back to the library. The window at the end of the skinny room was multi-paned and not really see-through. Some of the glass around the outer edges was colored purple and red and gold, sporting little flowers and vine patterns. The glass in the middle was warbled, almost milky. There was light coming through, but I couldn't really see the yard. I was about to move on and keep looking for Sam when something caught my eye. There was a shadow in the center of the glass. I couldn't see who or what it was, but I became very aware that the figure standing outside wasn't moving, and that it had been there from the first moment I looked at the window. I almost let myself believe that it wasn't a person, that it was just some sort of strange shadow of a tree or something like that. But finally, after a long moment of staring at each other, the shadow moved. More accurately, it backed away. I stood there, stuck to the spot as the shadow began to fade and get smaller until there was nothing there except for the memory of the strange smudge on the stained glass. Ivy, there you are. I whirled around and found Sam standing next to a shelf holding a book. Had he been there the whole time? My brain felt fogged up like the winter sky outside. I turned back to the window, but there was nothing there now. Sorry, I said. Just, uh, distracted by ghosts. October 2007. I follow all of those wonderful pumpkins home. They light the path all the way back to the apartment. I pass several with people's names carved into them, a few with the dinosaurs, and one with the logo for an internet browser, which I find especially funny. I pause for a moment when I recognize an unusual shape. Someone has carved a suspiciously familiar monster into one of them. I wonder who would have done that. For me, at least, that hits just a little too close to home. thank you for listening to burning rock radio visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on instagram at burning rock radio as always we appreciate your ratings and reviews and sam if you're out there we all miss you and hope to see you soon